This is an SBS radio podcast. Settlement Guide. Information, issues and stories about living in Australia. Voice, recognition, sovereignty and treaty have become a significant part of the language used to discuss the development of Australia's relationship with its Indigenous peoples. For most people, these are just words, but for First Nations people, they symbolise hope for a better and more inclusive future, with more involvement in the decisions that directly affect their lives. Every 26th of January, Australia marks the beginning of British colonisation in 1788. Over time, it's been called many things, Anniversary Day, First Landing Day or Foundation Day, and in 1994 was renamed again to Australia Day. But it's a controversial name. Many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples since 1938 have seen January 26th as a day of mourning, and in recent times, many have referred to the day as Invasion Day or Survival Day. Some multicultural communities call it simply January 26. Behind the different names is the concept of sovereignty, the inherent jurisdiction of Indigenous Australians over their lands and peoples that existed prior to European arrival and was never ceded. However, amongst Indigenous groups, there are different views about how sovereignty should be recognised. This is the starting point of Australia's public debate about recognition, treaty, voice and truth. Making constitutional change to recognise Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people is no simple matter. The process, as it stands in 2020, has been underpinned by recommendations from decades of expert panels, Senate inquiries, constitutional commissions and referendum councils. The proposal currently at the forefront of these discussions came from Australia's Red Centre on Ananu Country back in 2017. The Uluru Statement from the Heart is the most well-known model to be put forward. Dean Parkin is director of From the Heart, a public awareness campaign aimed at generating more support for the Uluru Statement in general and in particular for an Aboriginal advisory body enshrined in the Constitution. Our mandate is 100% the Uluru Statement. Voice Treaty Truth, very much part of our agenda and as I said within that, uh, the idea of a voice to Parliament um, that is representative of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples and speaks to the Parliament, speaks into Australian democracy um, and has the protection of the Australian Constitution so it can't be just uh, disbanded like other uh, entities have in the past. The aim of recognising Indigenous Australians in the Constitution is to give them a voice that would enable them to influence decisions on matters that concern their communities. But some think that voice can be achieved by creating a representative body that would become a voice to government instead of a voice to parliament, as suggested by Minister for Indigenous Australians and Noongar man Ken Wyatt. The reality is you can have a voice to parliament, uh, but the voice to government is to whichever significant party is the government of the day. They're the ones who have the purse strings, they're the ones who define the policies, they're the ones who introduce legislation. So that's who you've got to influence, the government. By virtue of government activity, it then influences the parliament. 
For Bundjalung and Kungarakan woman Danny Larkin, Minister Wyatt's proposal of creating an organisation by legislation but not enshrining it in the constitution would be an unfortunate and disappointing outcome. She says she's looked at what he's advocated for and the notion of citizenship and what that entails for Indigenous Australians today in a contemporary sense and in a practical sense. She sees the voice to Parliament being the best way forward and a great model to progress with. Also being debated is the idea of treaty, a formal agreement between the government and Indigenous peoples that recognises the existence of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations prior to British arrival. For many, treaty, whether national, regional or state-based, should be the first goal ahead of a voice to Parliament. It would imply recognition of sovereignty and the beginning of reconciliation and truth-telling, as New Zealand, the United States and Canada have done with their First Nations peoples. A group of First Nations people who walked out on the Uluru Summit back in 2017 included Victorian delegate and Gunai and Gunditch Mara woman Lydia Thorpe. Ms Thorpe is the new Green Senator for Victoria and has vowed to advocate for treaty as the best way forward for Indigenous recognition. We've been dealing with so much injustice and, and oppression over the last 240 plus years. Uh, we haven't come to any kind of settlement or conversation about a settlement and I believe that the the mechanism to get there is through a treaty uh, and it has to be by the people for the people. While a treaty wouldn't require a referendum, Ms Thorpe believes there would still need to be a thorough and inclusive consultation process for groups to be able to opt in or out. It is their right to self-determine what they want and what they need. Uh, and, you know, there's examples of that around the world, particularly uh in New Zealand where there were clans that didn't participate in the Treaty of Waitangi. So I think that we need to take the time. I mean, you know, are we in a rush? We need to ensure that we have respectful conversations with people and allow people, all people, to come to the table and not some invite-only process that, that locks a lot of our grassroots people out. When it comes to sovereignty, grassroots activism has long been the driving power behind improving the lives of Aboriginal people. One group is Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance, or WAR. Gamila Rai, Kuma and Muriwari man Bo Spiram is part of the coalition which aims to represent young Aboriginal people committed to the cause of decolonisation and Aboriginal nationalism. Sovereignty is central to Mr Spiram's idea of significant recognition, meaning all Aboriginal people can have their say. He says war has always opposed a top-down approach and that having dialogues with community and not necessarily going about it the right way is really frustrating. Treaty, on the other hand, was always on the board and always part of the discussion. War's official stance is to not engage with colonial structures, but Mr Spearham says the essence of self-determination is to allow Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples to make their own decisions about that. There's also a debate around what success looks like in terms of recognition. Activist lawyer and chair of the Aboriginal Land Council of Tasmania, Palawa man Michael Mansell, believes Aboriginal peoples have a choice to make between symbolic and meaningful recognition. Symbolic recognition is the sort of thing that took place in 2007 with the Kevin Rudd apology to the stolen generations. If 
the argument is that if the government were genuine about uh, responding to what happened to the children who were taken away, not only would they have given the apology, which was welcome, but they also would have compensated the people for the suffering, but they didn't. So that's a, one form of symbolic recognition. Mr Mansell outlines his preference. A more meaningful uh, example of recognition is, for example, when governments say, oh, we're sorry that Aboriginal people were dispossessed, and then they pass legislation, such as the Northern Territory Land Rights Act or state legislation here in Tasmania and elsewhere, where they actually return parcels of land as a more meaningful way of giving recognition. If given the ultimate power to decide, Mr Mansell details how he would achieve substantial Aboriginal recognition. It's not a complicated process. If uh, a treaty was put to the federal parliament, that the federal parliament legislated for the crown lands in Australia to be returned to Aboriginal people, that we had 3% of the gross domestic product and we decided how it was spent, and that we had representatives in the parliament, probably uh, one representative from each of the states elected by Aboriginal people in the Senate get the federal parliament to legislate for the establishment of a credible national representative Aboriginal body. That body would set the priorities for the distribution of resources so that Aboriginal communities would be better off. The federal government has put together three advisory bodies to co-design a voice for Aboriginal people working at national, regional and local levels. Kungarakan and Iwaija man Professor Tom Karma is the co-chair of the federal government's Voice Co-Design Senior Advisory Group. He explains their role is to present a number of different models to the federal government who will then determine what shape a voice will take. We've got the formation of, of the treaty bodies, principally the most advanced of the Northern Territory and Victoria, but we have uh, like the Murdy Parky regional arrangements. We've got the Arnhem Land um, arrangements. We've got the big Noongar um, treaty, well, not treaty, native title agreement in, in uh, Perth. With the report now finalised, the federal government's plan is to have the report considered by Cabinet, further consultation and then legislation, all before the next election. Professor Karma says while it is difficult to navigate the different bodies, land councils and communities, it's important to use this opportunity to ensure that the government and elected officials are no longer determining Indigenous peoples' futures. For the groups that aren't willing to compromise on their supported model, Professor Karma says Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people need to take advantage of the opportunity. I think what we've got to do is to is to look at the here and now. What can we achieve? What are, what is going to be uh, achievable without compromising on our integrity as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people? We've still got to do it in good faith and to do what what's best for our people. Um, but you know, it's it's part of a continuum. We, you know, what we're able to achieve today uh, might be very different into the future. Uh, but we're, today we know that we've got uh, a prime minister supporting the minister for uh, in. Indigenous Affairs uh, to want to progress a voice uh, to government and a voice to parliament. And um, and so we need to capture that. That story by Esam Al-Ghalib and NITV for SBS News. This was an SBS radio podcast. For more Settlement Guide stories, visit sbs.com.au slash radio.